Welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. It's a nice day to have you ride along. If you could be just like anybody, a non-fiction character that has ever lived, who would that be? That non-fictional character cannot be Jesus, but anybody else. I'll give you a second to ponder that out before you have to answer. I do know who I would be. I would be just like Buck O'Neill. Buck O'Neill is a favorite son of Kansas City. There are about four favorite sons of Kansas City. George Brett, Tom Watson, Len Dawson, and Buck O'Neill. Buck played for the old Negro Leagues baseball team, the Kansas City Monarchs, and later managed them. He is featured a lot on Ken Burns' documentary called Baseball. They interviewed him quite often on that documentary. And I tell you what, I'm, I'm reading a book by Joe Posansky about Buck right now. And the man had the best attitude on life of anybody I've ever known. Anyway, carrying on here, I hope you came up with somebody. Now just examine yourself and then think about that man or woman or even child that you came up with and smile a little. You're probably more like them than you give yourself credit for. Or maybe it is they're more like you than you'll ever know. Moving forward here. When my dad first bought his grocery store from Lefty and Dutch, he hired a lady to work at the store, and her name was Mrs. Doppelmeyer. What I remember about Mrs. Doppelmeyer is she was fairly old. Now, when you're five, six, seven, eight years old, a 40-year-old person can look quite old to you, so I'm not sure how old Mrs. Doppelmeyer was, but I have her in my mind's eye as an older lady with gray hair that didn't move real fast, but she was as steady as could be and a very good part of that crew that worked the store with Dad. She worked for my dad for years. I remember her and her husband had some kind of a little cafe or restaurant or something like that out on the lookout hill out there as you're first coming from the from the east as you're dipping down the hill headed towards town. When I left that hometown, that was a doctor's office up there anymore, but there used to be a little red building, about two stories tall actually, built on that hillside there of Lookout Hill. And we went there and had a hamburger once in a while in the evenings. And Mrs. Doppelmeyer and her husband, to the best of my recollection, owned that place and she worked it. So he must have ran it during the day as she worked at my dad's store. They had a boy. It was kind of wild. I remember this. And when my parents finally sold their old Buick car, gray car with a dark gray top. It was probably about a 1950, 52, 53, right in there. I remember what it looks like. But they sold it and we bought a new station wagon from Fred and Glenn down at the Ford garage. And we were coming home from the lake town up there one Sunday afternoon and there's a big old crash where the two highways, 40 and 34, meet. 
and that car was involved and it was all crumpled and totaled and looked like people might have even gotten killed. My parents talked about it for a minute and everyone was very quiet. I sat there in the back seat, my nose pressed to the window, the palms of my hands pushed against the window, my eyes as wide as could be looking at that accident. We found out that indeed Mrs. Doppelmeyer's son was driving that car, but he was not killed. And that was the end of that car. Mrs. Doppelmeyer worked for us for years, the nicest lady in the world. She must have been a hard worker. You have to work from probably 8 in the morning to 6 at night at my dad's store and then go over to the Lookout Hill, work at that restaurant. Also during that time frame, right when my dad first owned that store, he had a high school girl that worked for him. Her name was Yvonne. I knew Yvonne from one of my first remembrances. Last time I saw her was at my 50-year high school class reunion. Just because I said it was my 50-year class reunion, there were all kinds of people there. It was an all-school reunion. And it wasn't well attended, but there was probably 30 or more of us there. And Yvonne was one of them. And she was telling me how my mom would bring us kids down in the late afternoon or right before the store closed, maybe. And we'd play in the aisles with the canned goods, maybe in the soup aisle. And she'd kind of watch us while my mom and my dad took care of whatever business they had to take care of. I haven't seen her for about four years now. I think I am friends with Yvonne on Facebook. And to my knowledge, she was the only high school girl that ever worked at the store. My dad had a few high school boys over the years work after school and weekends and whatever. But after Mrs. Doppelmeyer left, my dad had a lady named Bev come to work at the store. And she had two little kids and her and her husband owned a ranch outside of town. And Bev was one of the hardest workers I've ever known in my entire life. She moved fast like my dad moved fast. She could stock a shelf just faster than anything check those people out so quickly and always friendly and everybody liked Bev. She always liked to bowl. She was always on bowling leagues. As I got older, I realized that uh, her son was my brother John's age and her daughter, I think, was my brother Don's age. And Bev worked for us for years. I don't think she was working for us when we moved to the new store, though. I do believe Viola came along once Bev left the store, and Viola worked for us going to the new store. Now, I might be wrong on the time frame of that. I don't really know, but this is how my memory remembers it. We moved basically one day. One Sunday, we just started filling shopping carts, or buggies is what we call them, full of food and canned goods and all that stuff. Hauled it all down to my dad's store about a half a block to the west, same side of the street there. And Viola worked for us clear until maybe I graduated from high school. She liked to pull pranks and practical jokes on you. She was really my friend. I'll tell you what, Viola was my friend. That new store had a bathroom in it. Where our old store didn't, we had to go over to the Ford garage if you had to go to the bathroom. 
but the new store dad put a bathroom in that back towards the back room past the office there and the bathroom was real small but the wall didn't go all the way to the ceiling it was just maybe a foot away from the ceiling I guess that was to give it some ventilation or something if you know what I mean anyway you guy couldn't go to the bathroom without Viola harassing him you'd be in the bathroom all of a sudden a, a rag come flying over the top of that wall and hit you as you're sitting there or standing there whatever you're doing taking care of business you know what I mean don't mean to be crass about that it's just bodily function a fact of life and you kind of like to not be interrupted and Viola must have known that because here comes a rag or big old pound on the door nobody answer what do you want nobody to answer pound 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 what do you want I'll be just a minute no answer nobody saying emergency emergency none of that so you knew it had to be Viola it just had to be Vi well later on there was a lady named Bert that came to work for us her son had a television repair shop down the street I'm not sure how long Bert worked for us or if she took Vi's place or what I cannot remember that but I was much older then probably maybe had graduated from high school I'm not positive of that those women were great cashiers you had to know the price of everything like you just couldn't take forever if you're weighing up the tomatoes and selling them by the pound or onions everything had a stamp price on it all the canned goods and all that stuff but things like bread and produce did not and so they had to check that out and they could check that stuff out faster than these scanners at today's grocery stores can do it very efficient put your groceries in a box then it was my job to carry the box out for the person out to their car or down to the trail riders to Mrs. Dumas's place she'd tip you a shiny dime you took a box of groceries down to her she'd call on the phone maybe Peggy behind the store call up and you have to take the box of groceries over to Peg it was a great place and those women made it more enjoyable to work there they weren't your mom but by golly they weren't Dutch or Bill either so it kind of rounded out the family of all of us that worked at the store they must have been very very patient people to have to put up with my brothers and me my dad believed that he needed to have his sons work and so work we did at that store and I'm sure we were more problem than we were worth I'd bet my bottom dollar on that one once in a while we got something done but not very fast and not very good and dad would check you out and make you do it right he did instill into us a great work ethic that is a fact and I thank him and I appreciate all he did for us and I thank Dutch and Bill and Billy and Dickie and Chuck and John and all those great ladies that worked at the store those years for putting up with me and my brothers I don't remember my sister ever working at the store but maybe as I got older and left home maybe she did I don't know that store was the center of my life when I wasn't in school or at home and as much as I did not like it and rebelled against it 
If it wasn't for that store, my life wouldn't have been as full as it was. Between all the customers that traded with us, being amazed at the five o'clock rush when people come in and after work and do their shopping, to grumbling and mumbling when I had to clean the parking lot, is a wonderful place to spend a good part of my childhood. And I thank my dad and my mom very much for not just letting us hang out at the house and watch cartoons. Kitty, come here. Have you seen Kitty? No, I haven't seen Kitty there, Katie. Where is Homer? Search me. I haven't seen him neither. I think he was with Kitty. But I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Homer! Homer! Here I am, honey pie. What do you need? I was just out back teaching Kitty how to throw horseshoes. I don't think she liked it very well. <laughs> you know, she rather talk on the telephone. But I told her we have a party line and she cannot keep that all tied up because those people down at Apple's Cafe may need to have someone call them and see what time they're open and what time they close. What do you need, sweetheart? Uh-huh. Okay. You don't even need to say it. I understand by just that look that you have. I didn't do my work and I am totally, really very sorry. I am. I'm very sorry. I know. I know. I was supposed to do it, but you know how it is. Kitty needed to do something and I was here to help her do it, even if it's goofing off. I think I'm a pretty good goofer offer and you're a pretty good boss. I know you're the boss even though you say I'm the boss. I know you're the boss because you tell me what to do and I say yes sir ma'am and that's that. That's just the end of that and that's the way it goes. Homer, you're so full of it it's coming right out of your ears and into mine and I can't hardly stand it. Why don't you just do your work? I will pop, I will. Anyway, it was sure nice playing horseshoes with Kitty, even though she said she didn't want to. Thank you for spending some time with us. If you enjoy our podcast, all we ask is that you share it. Never forget to be kind. You never know who really needs that. We'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out.